A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. This episode is one that I have been so looking forward to hitting live on and sharing with you. The reason I've been super excited, well, there's lots of reasons, but the two main ones. Firstly, when I started this podcast, I had a list of dream guests and this man was on that list. Secondly, this concept, this philosophy about love languages, I think can really, really change your life. Our relationships make up such a huge percentage of our happiness when it comes to our life. Our relationships with our significant other, with our parents, with our children, with our co-workers, in our community, with our friends, with everyone, it all impacts our state of mind and our state of happiness. And so the love languages, this philosophy can be a massive unlock in communicating love to the people that are important to you. And also not just in communicating it outward, but in receiving love as well. So if you've not heard about the love languages, I think that you're in for a treat with this episode because it's such a great concept. And if you have heard of it, sit tight and I hope you enjoy this episode and hearing from the man himself. Now, before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a quick minute to let you know this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Kind Parenting Company. The KPC is an online resource for parents who want to learn more about kind parenting techniques and enhancing sleep or toddler behavior for their little ones. Programs start from maternity. So whilst you're pregnant, you can learn all the things that you need to know when it comes to baby sleep all the way up to four and a half years of age. The Kind Parenting Company has programs that includes unlimited access to audio files. So if you enjoy podcasts, and fingers crossed you do, that's why you're here, you're going to love these programs because you can tune in and listen to the topics that you want to know more about and the topics that are super relative to your situation right now. So perhaps it's that you're ready to ditch the dummy 
or you want to know if you even need to ditch the dummy and not every family needs to, perhaps you are at your limit of rocking your baby or your toddler to sleep. Maybe you're struggling with all that goes into toddlerhood because it is a wild ride. Maybe you are excited to learn and connect and understand your toddler a little bit more. So for this extra special episode, I have set up a discount code and that discount code is LOVE, L-O-V-E, 20, the number 2020. And that will take 20% off all of the Kind Parenting Company online programs. Now, not only will you receive your program instantly to access, you get those audio files as well, but the sleep programs also come with unlimited access to the video tutorials as well. So you can see a real life hands-on settle. You also receive two weeks completely free of support in our parenting forums. And our forums are such a nice, welcoming, safe space to share the trials and tribulations that we all go through. So jump on over to thekindparentingcompany.com and use that code LOVE20, L-O-V-E-2-0, to take 20% off the total price of all programs and That's enough from me. I could rabbit on all day about parenting, but I won't. I will let you enjoy, hopefully, this episode with Dr. Gary Chapman. Dr. Gary, thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening to have this conversation with me today. I've been so looking forward to it. Well, thank you, Kylie. It's good to be with you. So millions of people all across the world are really, really familiar with your work. And I feel like you're a man that doesn't need a huge introduction. People just know you. They're, they're familiar with you. But for those who might need a little refresher or perhaps have not yet come across your work, could you start with telling us a little bit about the five love languages and how exactly you came to arrive at these categories? Well, I discovered really uh, this in my counseling office. I've uh, been counseling for a long time now, but uh, I remember the first time it, it uh, hit me that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. A couple came in to see me, and I uh, didn't know them at all, never met them, and they sat down, and the wife started, uh, she said, Dr. Chapman, let me share a few things about us before we start, and I said, fine, and she said, I just want you to know that we don't argue, we don't believe in arguing. And uh, we don't ha- have any money problems. And she went on with two or three more positive things. And I was beginning to wonder, did they come in here to tell me what a good marriage they have? <laughs> <laughs> and then she started crying and she said, but the problem is, I just don't feel any love coming from him. Uh, we're like roommates living in the same house. He does his thing and I do my thing. And there's nothing going on between us. And I feel so empty. And I don't know how long I can go on like this. Well, I I looked at her husband and he said, I don't understand her. I do everything I can to show her that I love her. And she sits there and tells you what she's been telling me. She doesn't feel loved. And I said, well, what do you do to show your love for her? And he said, well, I get home from work before she does. So I start the evening meal. And sometimes I have it ready when she gets home. If not, she'll help me. And then we eat together. And he said, after we eat, I wash the dishes. 
and every Thursday night I vacuum the floor, and every Saturday I wash the car and mow the grass and help her with the laundry, and he went on, and I was beginning to wonder, what does this woman do? <laughs> <laughs> it sounded to me like he was doing everything. The dream man. Look, yeah, and I look back at her, and she said, Dr. Chapman, he's right. He's a hardworking man. She said, but we don't ever talk. We haven't talked in 20 years. He's always mowing the grass, washing the dishes, <laughs> always doing something. And I knew here was a sincere husband who was loving his wife the best way he knew how and a wife who didn't get it. And after that, I heard similar stories over and over in my office. And I knew there was a pattern to what I was hearing but I had no idea what it was. So eventually I took time to sit down and read several years of notes that I made when I was counseling people and asked myself the question, when someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later call them the five love languages. And I started using that in my counseling. If you want her to feel love, you've got to express love in her language. If you want him to feel love, you've got to express love in his language. And I would help couples discover what I call their love language, challenge them to go home and try it. And sometimes they would come back in three weeks and say, Gary, this is changing everything. The whole climate's different now. And then I started using it with small groups of couples. And the same thing would happen. And it was probably five years later that I thought, you know, if I could put this concept in a book and write it in the language of the common person, leave out the psychological jargon, maybe I could help a lot of couples. I would never have time to see my office. Of course, little did I know, uh, as you said, it would sell now over 14 million copies in English and be translated in over 50 languages around the world. So, that's where it came from. <laughs> Amazing. Well, safe to say you're definitely helping couples. So can you tell us what those love languages are? Yeah, briefly, and there's no particular order, but uh, one love language is words of affirmation, using words to affirm the other person. You look nice in that outfit. Really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you simply using words to affirm the other person. There's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can kill people by the way you talk and you can give them life. And for some people, this is what makes them feel loved, words of affirmation. A second love language is acts of service, doing something for them that you know they would like for you to do. In a marriage, that is such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, washing cars. That's, that's the language this gentleman was speaking. Uh, there's an old saying you may have heard, actions speak louder than words. If this is their love language, it will speak louder than words. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. Uh, before I studied counseling, uh, I, I uh, did an undergrad and a master's degree in cultural anthropology. We've never found a culture anywhere in the world where gift giving is not an expression of love. And, and I like to emphasize the gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said it's the thought that counts. But I like to remind couples, it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in your head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. I say to guys, 
do what your children do in the spring and summer. Go out in your backyard and pick a flower and give it to her. And if you don't have any flowers in your yard, check your neighbor's yard. You know, ask them. They'll give you a flower. <laughs> so uh, gifts. And then quality time. Giving the other person your undivided attention. And I do not mean sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else has your attention. I'm talking about sitting with the TV off, computer down, uh, not answering the phone, but giving our full attention to each other. And it doesn't have to be sitting. You can walk, walk, take a walk down the road together and talk or go out and eat, assuming that you talk. I don't know whether it's true uh, in your world, but it's interesting to me. I go to a restaurant and here's a couple sitting across the table from each other, both of them looking at their phone. Mm, definitely. <laughs> Increasingly. So, yeah. So quality time is none of that. It's giving them your undivided attention. And then there's physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. And in marriage, that's such things as holding hands and kissing and embracing and the whole sexual part of marriage and arm around the shoulder and uh, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, just affirming physical touches. And the basic idea is that out of those five, each of us has a primary love language. One of these will speak more deeply to us than the other four. Now, we can receive love in all five, uh, but we have a primary language. It's very, uh, very similar to spoken language. Every one of us grew up speaking a language with a dialect, and that's the one we understand best. We call it our native tongue. You know, I grew up speaking English in the U.S. Southern style, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you and your friends speak English Australian style. And maybe you have dialects even in the, the country of Australia. We uh, do. Yeah. So uh, that, that's the basic concept. So if you really want to communicate love on an emotional level so that the other person feels love, we have to learn to communicate it in their language. It's a simple concept that really does uh, meet that deep emotional need uh, to feel loved. It, and it is. It's such a simple concept. But like you said, it's as if some of us are walking around speaking different languages when it comes to love. So having that translation and being able to connect the dots and go, oh, okay, I see you, I hear you, I now know how you need to feel loved is just yeah. such a massive unlock in all areas of life. And I think if we all grew up knowing and understanding this, how much ease it would bring into our lives. But so many of us grow up with an idea that one day we're going to meet this, you know, magical one person who completes us. And then all of a sudden it will come easily and effortlessly. And, you know, a lot of us do. We meet that one person where it's easy and we have an easy in love experience and we're in that limerence phase and it's wonderful but it doesn't last forever. So I guess in my mind, I kind of think at that point, there are three options. You know, you either grow together and you go to the next level or you accept that the limerence has faded and perhaps start to question whether or not this is the right person for you. And I'm guessing that a lot of um, the couples you counseled were in that situation trying to work out where to from here. Yeah. Or you either just cruise along and kind of accept things as they are. But I've heard you say that marriages either get better or they get worse. 
they don't yes. stand still. So can you say more about this and why cruising through really isn't an option in your eyes? Yes, I think uh, what I wish someone had told me before we got married is that the average lifespan of what you're calling limerence, it's the in love euphoria, uh, the average lifespan is two years. Uh, some a little longer, some a little less, but average two years, and we come down off that high. And no one told me that. You know, I, I had the idea that if you've got the real thing, it'll last forever. And uh, my wife and I had been dating two years before we got married. So I came down pretty early in our marriage and our differences emerged and we didn't know how to solve them. We ended up arguing with each other. And after a while, I was saying to myself, I think I've made a huge mistake. And I think she was saying the same thing. And so this is a very common experience. And this is why the love language uh, concept is so important. If you understand this, that you are going to come down off the high, and if you choose, you learn each other's primary love language and you choose to speak it on a regular basis, you hardly miss the euphoria. You know it's different because now it's taking effort. You ha you're doing something that maybe doesn't come real natural to you, but you're keeping that love alive in the relationship. Then it's much easier to solve the conflicts, and all couples have conflicts. But if you don't feel loved, we end up arguing and saying hateful things to each other. But if you feel loved, you're far more likely to listen to each other. So uh, I, I think that's why understanding this concept is so important in a marriage relationship. We don't have to just drift. If you drift, you drift apart. And we don't have to bail out and hope I'll go find somebody else and get the real thing. It, the same thing will happen if you go see somebody else. I don't know the statistics in Australia, but in America, the divorce rate in second marriages is higher than the divorce rate in first marriages. And the divorce rate in third marriages is even higher. So the answer is not running and finding somebody else. The answer is learning how to love the person to whom you're now married. So it really does come down to a choice that we make. We're either working towards a better relationship or we're not. And, you know, I do connect with the simplicity of that. But I have to tell you that a lot of women in the community here are coming to me with the same question time and time again. And I don't have the answer for it. But it's how can we encourage or influence our partners to want to grow with us because a lot of women that I speak with are saying, you know, they're, they're invested, they want to grow, they want to learn, they're excited to take steps forward, but they feel as though their partner is resistant or point blank just says that they don't buy into it and they do want to just keep cruising through. They don't seem yeah. to have that passion or that fire to pursue um, bettering themselves. So what would your advice be to women who find themselves in that situation? Well, it is true that we cannot change our spouse. We cannot make our spouse change. But we often fail to recognize we can influence our spouse. In fact, we do every single day, either negatively or positively. And so I think a wife can have a positive influence on the spouse. You know, uh, when couples talk to me, they say, you know, Dr. Chapman, or, or the wife will say, I read your book and I asked my husband to read it, but it's, it's been laying there for a month and he hasn't picked it up. And, and my first response is, don't, don't ask your husband to read the book. Ask him if he will read the first chapter and tell you what he thinks about it. If he reads the first chapter, he'll probably read the rest of the book, but don't ask him to read the whole book. <laughs> 
<laughs> just get just get that pebble to start rolling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then once he's read that first chapter, uh, he chances are he'll say, well, this is very interesting. In fact, he might read two chapters at the same time. Uh, and then you can begin to say, you know, I read that book, honey, and it really, really opened my eyes. And I realize I haven't been speaking. I don't think I've been speaking love to you in the most meaningful way. And uh, I, I really want to be a better wife. And so I don't know if you can tell me right now what, what is the primary love language you have or, or whether you'd like to take the quiz online that's free or, uh, or we could talk about it. But I just want to be a better wife. And uh, I, I'm trying to learn, you know, from, from this book. And this book is just making a lot of sense to me. Well, you, you know, he's hearing you say that. And he's going to have likely a very positive response because he wants you to be a better wife. <laughs> you know, and in your mind, you're already trying. I understand you, you're already doing things. But this love thing is the most powerful influence you can have on your spouse. And if you begin to speak his primary love language, even if he's not speaking yours, or even if he has a negative response and says, I'm not interested in all that junk. You just say, well, honey, I'm just trying to be a better spouse. And then you you try to figure out his love language and you start speaking it consistently. And I don't mean three weeks. I'm talking about six months. Just speak his love language regularly, no matter how what happens. Chances are before that three months is over, he's going to be saying to you, what is going on with you? I mean, I have you, you've been so nice to me lately. I just don't know what's going on. And you can say, well, honey. I'm trying to learn to be a better wife. And I read a, that book, on Love Languages, and I think I'm speaking your love language. Uh, if I am, tell me. If I'm not, tell me, because I want you to know I love you. You see, it's that unconditional love that influences him. Uh, you know, we, we are drawn to people who are expressing love to us in a meaningful way. And so uh, when you do that, you're having a positive influence on him. So rather than trying to drag him along, it's really more about just being in charge and control of your own actions and choosing to love, as you said, unconditionally. And just by osmosis, hopefully they'll absorb it and get on board in time. Yeah. Yeah. Love stimulates love. You know, yes, you, love you're loving that. me. I'm beginning to feel you. You're loving me. You're doing things you haven't done before. And, and I'm, I'm drawn to you when you do that. So uh, we can't change the spouse, but we can influence them. And that's, I think, the most powerful way to influence them. Mm, I agree. And so given that there are five love languages, there are obviously going to be people in relationship that have opposing love languages or at least their primary ones aren't aligned. If someone whose primary love language is words of affirmation, for example, but they have a partner who really, really struggles to verbalize their feelings, you know, perhaps they were brought up in a family where it wasn't you know, where it was frowned upon to speak freely and they struggle to do so, where would you suggest they start? Well, the reality is that seldom does a husband and wife have the same love language. Uh, almost always they have a different love language. But here's the good news. Even if you did not receive these love languages growing up, as an adult, we can learn to speak any of these love languages. 
uh, for to use the example that you just shared. Uh, and I, I've had husbands who say, Dr. Chapman, I, I just I know her love language is words of affirmation. I just don't know how to do it. I, I just can't even imagine myself saying those kind of words to her. And so what I do is I, I write, help them make a list of either things they've heard other people say or maybe things I just suggest to them. We just make a list of them. And I say, now, I want you to go home in the next two weeks, every day, twice a day, stand in front of the mirror by yourself and read these words out loud. See, I'm getting them to feel comfortable reading these words. And then like exposure, exposure therapy, just a little bit. <laughs> a, absolutely. Absolutely. It's baby steps, you know, and then I'll just pick out one of them and say, okay, now next week, uh, so you say this one to me without looking at your notes. Okay. And he'll do it. He can repeat that. I said, now just one time this week, I want you to say that to her. I said, you know, if, if you're really nervous, you can, she could be looking in the other direction and you just walk in the room and you just say it, and you can run if you want to. Just say it and run. <laughs> but you broke the silence. The second time will be easier. The third time will be easier. And little by little, it'll become more comfortable to you. Now, it'll never be as comfortable as it is to her, because that's her language. But you can learn to speak it. it it's just like learning a spoken language. It takes time to learn to speak another language. And as you said, love breeds love. So if that's well received, it's going to make it so much easier. So yes, if the first time you have to run into the room and quickly have, you know, <laughs> verbally spew it out, but it's received really well, as you said, it will become easier each and every time. It will become more familiar. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And now in times of pressure or stress, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is I know that a lot of our listeners have really young families. So in times where couples have young families and they're both working or one's working or whatever the dynamic is, but they don't necessarily feel as though they have endless time and resources, how can they modify the way that they connect with their love language? I guess I'm wondering, and one of my girlfriends suggested asking this, I'm wondering if you can outsource your love language to a certain extent you know like if you're really busy or you're working away can you outsource by perhaps booking your partner in for a massage if their language is physical touch like does it all still kind of count well i think it may be possible the question would be to ask them is this meaningful to you would this be meaningful to you uh, and maybe they'll say yes, and maybe they'll say no. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want that. I want. I want you to touch me, uh, or, or whatever. Whatever it is. Uh, so I don't know if we can outsource it really. Uh, but I would ask the spouse if it if it is meaningful to them. You know that yes, that maybe you can do that. And, and all of us, uh, you're exactly right. When we have children, especially, I mean, uh, life can get really busy, and and we just and, and a very common thing is that we spend what energy we have on our children and just ignore our marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing you can do for your children as well as the worst thing you do for yourself, you know. And that's uh, why I definitely wanted to highlight your principle of the fact that it's, you know, either marriages are getting better or they're getting worse because so many people do sort of take a stance of going, okay, well, we've got a lot going on right now. So let hit, let's hit, let's hit, pause 
but there's no such thing as hitting pause or just cruising through because, as you said, they're getting better or they're getting worse. So I think that will be a massive takeaway for a lot of our listeners. Yeah, if you just drift, you'll drift apart. We don't ever drift together. We drift apart. You have to consciously put the oars in the water and row to bring your boats together. (laughs) And And if, if we just realize that the most important thing I can do for my children is to give them a model of a mom and dad who are loving each other. And we get that straight, then we will make time. Uh, and yes, we don't we may not have as much time now as we'll have in other seasons of life, but we can't ignore each other for two or three years and then think, well, when we get the kids bigger, then we're gonna plug back in. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. You've gotta stay plugged in along the journey. Yeah, super important to understand. And another thing that I wanted to touch on is obviously knowing your love language is going to be incredibly helpful when it comes to connection. But I imagine it's also helpful when it comes to conflict and confrontation. Because if if your primary language is words of affirmation, and your partner knows that, I imagine then they could be a little more mindful with the words they use when it comes to conflict or if your primary love language is physical touch, you know, understanding that withdrawing touch is going to be so much more painful for you. Do you find that it helps couples when they're also having disagreements? I think it does because I think when you use their love language in a negative way, like if it's words of affirmation, And in a conflict situation, you raise your voice and yell at them or say hateful things to them. It's like a dagger in their heart. And you you don't solve conflicts when you're throwing, you know, those kind of spears at the other person. Or, as you said, you withhold physical touch and you say to yourself, well, they don't deserve they don't deserve it. I'm not going to give it to them. And you're hurting them in a very deep way. And you're actually making the conflict much worse. But if you're speaking each other's love language and you're secure in the love language, then you're far more likely to be able to talk your way through the conflict and look for a solution rather than trying to win an argument. Uh, But speaking each other's love language creates a positive emotional climate between two people. And and you're far uh, better able to solve conflicts if you have a positive emotional climate. I love the expression positive emotional climate and that certainly applies to families as well and I really really like applying the love languages to my own boys I have twin boys who are nearly seven and we recently completed the online quiz and I was really really pleased to see that the results aligned with what I suspected to be the case, which I'm sure will happen with a lot of parents if they, t- they yes. take the quiz, because we know we have a kind of an innate knowing of what makes our children feel loved. And it's such a massive unlock to stay connected with them. It really, really helps me to tailor my parenting approach to each of them. Yes. And I would love to know what age do you think children start to develop their own primary love language? Collie, I think you can discover a child's love language by the time they're four years old. Yeah. By, by observing their behavior. For example, my son's love language is physical touch. He's grown. But when he was that age, I would come home in the afternoon. He would run to the door, grab my leg, and climb on me. He's touching <laughs> me because he wants to be touched. 
My yeah. daughter at that age never did that. She would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. She wanted quality time. She wanted my undivided attention. They're grown, and, and that's still their love language. So I, it's there very early, and I, and I don't know whether it's nature or nurture. That is, I don't know exactly how it gets developed, but I know it's there at an early age. Well, I wondered that, again, with the nature versus nurture, but my boys are identical twin boys, but mm-hmm. so different. You know, after school, they get into the car, and one of them he always sits in the seat behind me because he likes me to reach around and hold his foot. And his Uh love language is physical touch. He's exactly the same as you mentioned with your son. You know, he wants to wrestle. He wants to sit on my lap. Whereas my other little guy, he gets in the car and he wants to show me the treasures that he's found at school. You know, he found a rock that was shaped like a heart or a, a bead that had been discarded. And it's so fascinating how different they are. Yes. They're identical twins. Yes, and I, and I was going to ask you that if you hadn't told me, because I find that often identical twins have different love languages. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, it, it's so helpful when it comes to parenting, because as I said, if I have to sort of touch on a sensitive topic with my son who's more physical touch, I'll make sure I can do that when we can sit down and we can be touching. Yes. And it's just so much better received when I'm speaking in his language. And it certainly applies not just to parenting and relate and romantic relationships like we've spoken about today, but it goes beyond that. Like it goes to the workplace and community and everywhere. Yes, it's true in all human relationships. I often say to parents, the question is not, do you love your children? The question is, do your children feel loved? See, most parents love their children. Let's face it. That's a natural thing. But there are children that don't feel loved. I remember the 13-year-old who was in my office. He had run away from home, and he ended up in my office. And uh, in the context of our counseling, he said, uh, my parents don't love me. They love my brother, but they don't love me. I knew his parents. I knew they loved him. The problem was they had never learned to speak his love language. So we we can't express love one way and expect that both children or three children are all going to receive it the same way. Uh, We have to learn to speak each of their love languages. And and here's the other point I make with parents. Please don't hear me saying you only speak the child's primary love language. No, no, no. You give heavy doses of the primary. You sprinkle in the other four. Because we would like for the child to learn how to receive love and then learn how to give love in all five languages. That's the healthiest adult. Most of us did not receive all five growing up. And so we come to adulthood and we don't feel comfortable with some of these love languages. But if you don't speak heavy doses of the primary, they will not feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages. Well, as you said, it, it kind of goes back to then if they are receiving it in, in little sprinkles in all different categories, there's going to be less of a need for that exposure therapy later in life, less resistance around other languages that aren't their primary. So it's all paving the way for smoother and happier relationships in life. Absolutely. It's one of the most powerful things we can do for our children is to make sure that they feel loved. And, and, you know, you can share this concept with children also. Mother has a love language. Daddy has a love language. Sister has a love language. So our family wants to know how to love each other 
and we're going to communicate love to each other so that we all know that in this family we love each other. That 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 climate, that emotional climate, is a healthy climate for children to grow up in. And it's such an easy concept for them to understand. And again, it's one that I've spoken about a lot with my two boys. And it sinks in because even recently they came home from school and one of their friends at school had given away some of his items to them. And I said to him, I think that we should probably send these back to their friend's house because it was quite an expensive pencil case. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He wants me to have them. It must be his love language of giving <laughs> presents. I was like, yes, nice, yes. nice try, but it's probably not his mom's love language of him giving away his <laughs> expensive pencil case. But it does, it lands. They definitely understand. Um, and kids just, they absorb so much from us. Yeah. So. It's really, really exciting to see them sort of connect the dots there with concepts. Yeah, you know, we developed a curriculum for public schools on the five love languages, grades one through six, in which a teacher will teach, uh, take one hour a week and teach a love language for five weeks. At the end of the time, the teacher will know the primary love language of every student in the room. And the students all have the concept that their parents have a love language too. And uh, we send a letter home with the parents to tell them what's kind of what's going on. And we know that children learn more from a teacher if they feel loved by the teacher than they do if they don't feel loved by the teacher. So we're hoping that's going to change the climate of a lot of classrooms. So powerful. Well, Dr. Gary, I'm mindful of your time. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you for the work that you're doing. It's had a profound impact on me personally. And as we've mentioned, millions and millions of people. So I'm very, very grateful to have the opportunity to explore it a little further with you today. Where should we send our listeners? Because I know that a lot of them are going to want to explore their own love languages. Should we send them to the book first or perhaps the online quiz? I think either one is for, can be first, but the love languages, fivelovelanguages.com, the number five, fivelovelanguages.com. Uh, my publisher told me the other day that they 40, 40 million people have taken that online quiz, the couples quiz. And of course, as you said earlier, there's a quiz for children, there's a quiz for teenagers, there's a quiz for single adults. Uh, so you can start there or you can get the book. Uh, they kind of complement each other. Uh, the book, I think, will give you a better, underst- fuller understanding of things. And as you know, uh, there's not only the original book for couples, but there is the Five Love Languages of Children. It's written for parents. Five Love Languages of Teenagers, written for the parents. And then the Teen's Guide to the Five Love Languages, which is written to the teenager. And then there's one for single adults. So uh, we've tried to cover the bases <laughs> and All really help people coming. apply this in every human relationship. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.